Welcome to the second week of the series, Tomorrowland. My name is Josh, and I'm the lead pastor of Authentic Church. Now, before I dive into the message, I just want to share with you guys really quickly just how amazing you are. So during the quarantine, we've been been very intentional about finding ways to serve our community, to come alongside those that are in need, and, and to honor those that are serving on the front line. So far, we have served our community with well over 100 man hours and 500 care packages. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Give yourself a, an applause right there in your living room. Do it. You, it's worth it. So, man, each week we, we're looking for opportunities to serve, and, and we can do this because of, of your generosity. You, you may not have put together the care packages yourself, but each and every one of them is a result of your ongoing generosity. So thank you for for being a shining example of what it means to be like Jesus as we walk into this, through this season into our tomorrow. Uh, last week, we kicked off this series by talking about stepping into the unknown. Now, <laughs> I won't even attempt to sing this week. I know, it was, it was pretty awful. But we laid out the purpose of this series. It's all about understanding that God can take you through any doorway, any circumstance, any difficulty, and producing you greater strength and develop your gifts. God wants you and I to walk into tomorrow expecting victory. We examined the life of Gideon and discovered that our unknown is not unknown to God, that each step we take into the future will require some reassurance from God, and that is okay. But we need to trust God with his plan and give up our own. Now, I know many of you needed that message as much as I did as we took on another week of a a ton of unknowns. But for me, Monday didn't feel all that victorious. Tuesday, drug on, and I I was just struggling. I don't know what it was. I I couldn't put my finger on it. It was just some type of of heaviness. Wednesday was when it got to the point that I, I couldn't shake it, and I felt like I was done. Where, where was that crown that, uh, of victory that I was strutting around with on Sunday? Well, will you let me be honest for, for just a moment? If, if not, you can just turn it off. I won't know. Here's the deal. I am so over this. At first, it was, all, it was a fun challenge. Uh, let's figure out how to do this. We, we, we had to make major adjustments. Our, our production team, all those, those guys behind the cameras, had to figure things out on the fly. The worship team had to make huge sacrifices and and modifications. It was a challenge, and we were rising to overcome it. But this week, Groundhog Day set in. The the challenge is no longer exciting. It's an annoyance. If if we have to make one more adjustment, I will come out of this quarantine a certified chiropractor. Is it just me? Or did we walk through the doorway and step into a future that I hate? Any, anyone else want to grab a pillow and scream into it for a few minutes? Go ahead. I'm with you. Now, this quarantine isn't the only tomorrow that we get frustrated with. There, there are husbands and wives that are a few years into their marriage, and they're asking themselves, 
how did we get here? At first, it was a challenge, and it was kind of fun to discover their quirks of their spouses and, and make adjustments to them. <laughs> now, those same quirks are just plain annoying. The once vibrant marriage is now becoming a drudgery. That There are small business owners that stepped into the unknown when they began. There, there was excitement with the, the opening, and endeavoring to be the best boss was worth all the sacrifice. The excitement wears off, though, as the 60-hour weeks become 80-hour weeks. The bills that they never thought of are starting to pile up. They used to shine with optimism. Now they feel surrounded by darkness. The student that began the school year with high hopes of a fresh start with new teachers, they took on the challenge of higher grades with excitement. They're now just, just trying to make it to the end of the school year, whatever that may be. The energy has been sapped and the future doesn't look bright at all. The light shining from the other side of the door was magnetic, but once we cross the threshold into the future, the view quickly changes. The once electrifying view of tomorrow gets squashed when tomorrow becomes today, and today is somewhat disappointing. It is in this position that we find ourselves struggling to understand why God would have us here. We stepped into this unknown with boldness that God had given us, and now we're looking around and wondering why. Why did God have us come here? Why do I feel like I, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again, but not, not getting anywhere? I wanted to step into a future that would fast forward me to where I wanted to be. And instead, I find myself on the down escalator, and all my efforts and all my energy just keep getting me into the same spot. The frustration of doing the right thing over and over again with, with no results is, is exhausting. We're not alone in this. Paul had to encourage the followers of Jesus in his letter to the church in Galatia. He said, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. Whatever we find ourselves going through, we know that there is a man or woman in the, the Word of God that has gone through it as well. In this case, I want us to look back at, at a man that had, I had made a lot of assumptions about, and we know the uh, that assumptions are usually the enemy of truth. If you grew up in Sunday school, I, I'm sure you know of this man. His name's Jonah. The account of his life is found in what we call the Old Testament. It's, it's one of the minor prophets. That simply means it's a short book in the Old Testament. In my Bible, it only takes up two pages. The book doesn't waste any time jumping into the action. It says, the Lord gave the, this message to this Jonah, the son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. I, I wish I had more time to dive into this with you. In, in reality, Jonah deserves an entire series. But today, we, we just have enough time for an overview. Whenever we study the Bible, there are three things that we need to think about. Th those that have been part of Authentic Church for more than a month will know where I'm going. The first thing is what? Context. The second thing is context. And the third thing is, yep, context. But when God says to Jonah, I have seen how wicked these people are, it is an understatement. The Assyrian, Assyrian Empire, whose capital was Nineveh, were proud of their wickedness. They boasted how they would violently destroy cities and armies. 
They had perfected the ability to take the skin off a human being while keeping them alive. They would cap, a captured soldier, they would cut off his legs and one arm, leaving one arm so they could shake it as he died. God knew of their wickedness. Jonah was well aware of the evil that came out of Nineveh. So God comes to Jonah and says, hey, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. For some of you, you know how this story goes, but Jonah gets on a ship. He falls asleep in the bottom of the boat, and God sends a massive storm. The storm is going to cause the ship to sink, and sailors are doing everything within their power to keep that from happening. And then they call out to their higher powers, each one of them praying to their God. Finally, someone wakes up Jonah and tells him to start praying. It's interesting, isn't it? That Jonah is trying to get away from, God, from his God, and the people that don't even believe in his God tell him he needs to pray to him. The crew then cast lots to determine who, the sh who on the ship has endangered it and has angered the gods. I love how the writer phrases this. He says, when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. They asked Jonah, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who, who are you and what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? This is the big question. Why, Jonah? Did you run from God? Before uh, we dive into answering that question, let me summarize the rest of the story. So Jonah tells the sailors to throw him overboard. As he's sinking in the ocean, a giant fish sent by God swallows him up. Jonah is in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights when he finally decides to pray to God. He repents and, and the fish spits Jonah out onto the beach. God once again calls Jonah to Nineveh repeating the exact words he used in the first verse of, the cha of chapter 1. This time, though, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. His message to the Ninevites is a total of eight words. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. He doesn't tell them why. He doesn't tell them who is going to destroy them. He doesn't tell them what to do about it. Seems like a half-hearted attempt to do what God has called him to do. Surprising, the people repent. 120,000 people turn to God. This makes Jonah one of the most successful prophets of all time. Now, as I was studying this week, I realized there is so much more here that we, should do, that we really should do an entire series on these two pages of the Bible. But before I go down that rabbit trail, I'm going to rein it back. The big question is, why did Jonah run from God when he was called to Nineveh? Was it because they were so violent and Jonah was afraid? And rightfully so. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Was it because Jonah thought that the people of Nineveh deserved to be judged? He almost certainly did believe that. But when we dive into the context, I believe we get a fuller understanding of why Jonah would run. Now, the book of Jonah is not, is not the only place that Jonah is mentioned in the Bible. 
Jesus references him in Matthew 12. Again, this deserves so much more time, but I'm going to stay focused. Bring it in, Josh. Bring it in. He is also mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. It says this, Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began the rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 41 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, had led Israel to commit. Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hapar. From the Lord, for the Lord saw the bitter suffering of the, everyone in Israel and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. Here, Jonah is described as a prophet of God. If we only look at the book of Jonah, we can walk away with a, an image of a disobedient prophet running away from God. But when we take a whole picture, we get a better understanding of this man. Just a quick side note, this is true of every human being. When we look at them from one perspective, we will never fully understand or appreciate them. So, so Jonah was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. It was during this time that Israel had experienced uh, political peace and economic prosperity. This was, a rare, this was rare in the history of Israel. Unfortunately, it was accompanied by unprecedented collapse of their moral standards. There was corruption and abuse of power. They had turned their back on God. During this time when Prophets like Amos and Hosea and Jonah were imploring the people of Israel to repent and return to God. However, the people went on their own way. Idolatry spread all over the country. The people built altars in the mountains to, to Baal and to Asherah. Things had gotten so bad that they were even sacrificing their children on altars. It is in the midst of that that God calls Jonah to Nineveh. Now, can you imagine how frustrated Jonah must have been at this point. He had prophesied that God was going to allow the people of Israel to have a time of peace and prosperity, and it was coming to pass. But instead of, of praising God and following his commands, they were turning their backs on God. Jonah has been sacrificing and, and giving all, all of his effort to turn the hearts of his own community back to God, and it hasn't done any good. Now God asked him to go to another country a country that is known for its violence, to tell them to repent? Can we relate to Jonah jumping on a boat that was heading to the resort city of Tarshish? There's, there's one more thing that really jumped out to me as, as I was studying Jonah, and that was his name, Jonah, son of Amittiah. Jonah in Hebrew means dove. For us, that may bring an image of, of a white bird or for you Bible scholars, you immediately go to the image of the Holy Spirit. However, a Hebrew, for, for the Hebrew, the dove carried with it some specific images. The first time a dove is mentioned in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. It says, The dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. The, the dove was the bearer of good news. A dove is also one of the animals that can be sacrificed, giving of itself as a sin offering in Leviticus. In Hosea, doves are described as lacking understanding. So, so Jonah is a faithful servant of God that is struggling 
to understand what God is asking him to do. He has been sacrificially bringing the message of God to his community, and nothing is changing. Why would God now call him to do it all over again in a place that is further from God? Jonah needed Paul's words of encouragement. Let us not lose heart for doing, in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't grow weary. Let me ask you a few questions to help it apply to our lives. Have I been doing my best to parent my teenagers, but it really doesn't seem like they're listening? I've been going above and beyond at work, but I feel like I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm trying to work for the Lord, but now I'm laid off. I have studied and studied, but I can't get that grade to bump up even one point. I've tried to understand my spouse, but it doesn't seem like it really makes any difference what I do. I've invested everything into making my business work, but we just barely keeping our heads above water. I don't think I, don't think I can do it anymore, is what many of us feel like saying. Here's what the second part of Jonah's name Comes, the second part of his name comes into effect. It says it's Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, Amittai was the, his patrium name or his ancestral name. It, it, it's where he comes from. It's where he gets his foundation. And Amittai means trustworthy, faithful, steadfast. For Jonah, he needed to remember whose son he was. Today, you need to remember whose child you are. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Paul reminds us that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. As we go through seasons in our lives, when we are struggling to understand what God is asking us to do, we need reminded that he is our father, that he cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says we need to cast all our cares and anxieties on him because he cares for us. Will you pray with me? God, it's in moments that don't make sense to us that we need you the most. When we don't understand our circumstances, when we struggle to comprehend the next step, we need to trust you knowing that you care for us and that you are here for us and that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name.